I really believe if you if you cultivate a positive attitude towards anything and everything and you put like your concentration in everything that you do take every opportunity that you have and do the best that you can at any point uh, at any point of time then things starts to like get get into your favor all the time that was Matthew Baldron and I'm Henry Winslow you're listening to Dharma Talk Dharma Talkers, hello, and thank you for tuning in to the show. On Dharma Talk, I interview yogis I admire about their path and their purpose in this life. And as most of you who've put in some time on this earth know, that path tends to take some unexpected twists and turns. Sometimes the unexpected changes in our life can totally shake our identity. And yet those moments are our greatest lessons and our greatest blessings. My guest this week is a prime example of that. But first, if you're listening to the show, if you've been listening for some time and you haven't subscribed yet, please do me a favor and subscribe to Dharma Talk. It takes five seconds and it really makes a big difference. And also it helps you because it makes sure that you get delivered a fresh new episode every Thursday. Also, if you've been listening to the show and you enjoy it, take a minute and leave a rating and review. It's very helpful for the algorithm and making sure that others know that they should check out the episode, check out the show too. And lastly, if you have the financial means to contribute, please consider making a donation to support Dharma Talk. You can always do that at henrywins.com slash donate. As usual, I have a few announcements to share with you. In November, I'm moving out of New York. So for the New York yogis in the audience or anyone passing through in October, I'd love to come see you for the last hurrah. On October 26th and 27th, I'm doing a workshop on Saturday and Sunday at Living Yoga in Queens, backbending and handstanding. And then November 3rd, I'm doing a handstand training workshop at my home school of Lighthouse Yoga School. After that, Maybe we can sync up travel schedules, but for those workshops in New York, head over to henrywins.com slash events and sign up there. Yogis, if you are looking for the perfect way to wrap up 2019 and lay a golden foundation for a beautiful 2020 to come, then please join me and my wife, Veronica Lombo, for our seven-day retreat to Bali. We're calling it Divine Connection because that's our vision for this retreat, that you'll be able to take the time to step away from your typical environment, step away from your social conditioning and your responsibilities and get honed into the divine light within you. And how do we hope to achieve that? Well, every morning is going to begin with noble silence. This is prime time for self-reflection, self-inquiry and inner work. Also, we will have a group meditation every day and two yoga classes, one more rigorous vinyasa class and one more restorative hatha class. We're going to take care of all the food for you. You'll be provided three vegan plant-based and refined sugar-free meals a day. And we've also got some exciting adventures and excursions lined up, all included. 
Basically, we have an amazing experience lined up for you, something totally transformative and empowering. You just have to get yourself to Bali and then we'll take you through the rest. If this sounds appealing, please head over to henrywins.com Bali and you can find all the details there. Now allow me to introduce my guest for this week, Mathieu Baldron at Mathieu Baldron Yoga. That's M-A-T-H-I-E-U-B-O-L-D-R-O-N Yoga on Instagram, is a traveling yogi and community builder who teaches yoga teacher trainings and continuing education programs around the world. He discovered yoga while pursuing a career in musical theater and later turned his full attention to the practice as a means for healing after exhausting his vocal cords. Now he is co-owner of Lomi Yoga School, a yoga studio in Paris that applies modern techniques to ancient yoga. I loved having this conversation with Matthew, and I think that you're really going to enjoy listening to it too. Matthew just has this very vibrant, colorful personality, and it's it's obvious that he would be successful as a musical theater player. And we get into his background. He talks about his time touring around as a player in the musical adaptation of Lion King, and then takes us to the heartbreaking episode where he suffered career-ending vocal cord trauma. This is what I'm talking about when I say that these twists and turns in our lives are unexpected and shake us to the core of our identity. Matthew loved singing, loved performing, and it was his career and passion. But the beauty of it all is it was this heartbreaking moment that led him to yoga. So he shares with us what it was that got him back into his heart, back onto two feet, and it was healing through pranayama and backbends. Now Matthew finds joy in sharing that healing with others, and he has actually integrated his whole history into his teaching by sharing that musicality through mantras and chanting and pranayama and singing in his workshops and teaching worldwide. So if this conversation resonates with you, please head over to dharmatalk.show and type Matthew in the search bar, M-A-T-H-I-E-U. And you'll find all the notes and links for this episode, including Matthew's recommended book and his upcoming events. And one reminder, I've got a running list of every book ever recommended on Dharma Talk. So if you're looking for a new book to read, head over to henrywins.com books and pick one out. Now, without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Mathieu Baudron. Mathieu, welcome to the show. So happy to connect with you today. Thank you so much, Henry, for inviting me. Of course. And, um, you know, I appreciate you dialing in from Paris at 9.30 p.m., that's one of the <laughs> beauties of doing these virtual conversations is I can talk to someone on the other side of the world, but sometimes it doesn't mean it's the most convenient time. So I appreciate you doing that and I look forward to diving into it with you. I'm very excited about it. Well, we always start with the same first question. So I'm going to give you that question now. Okay. What does the word Dharma mean to you? And what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Wow. Okay. So... For me, Dharma means um, basically listening to the heart. Um, 
when I hear you asking me that question, the first thing I, I think of is like when I started um, practicing yoga, it was in a time when I was still an artist, I was still on stage. And actually, uh, it was a moment of my life that uh, was amazing, very light, with lots of like great lights and great moments, high vibrations, and also like a very strong moment of, of darkness, moments where I was actually suffering from, um, from not understanding really what was my purpose. Um, so... Like singing was a way for me to find purpose, but I was not really understanding why I needed to sing and be on stage at that time. And uh, and the yoga actually helped me to find more purpose. So to me, dharma means really like uh, the purpose of the heart. It's following following the heart. When you start to tune fully with it, uh, then I feel you understand that word better. I see. That is a beautiful way to put it. The purpose of the heart and yoga has helped you to find yours. So you said that when you were a musician or when you were an artist, you were able to serve your purpose to an extent, but something was disconnected. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, how did you get into musicianship and how did your journey transpire to take you from being a performing artist into being a yoga teacher? So actually, I started uh, musical. Uh, it's it's about now probably like uh, 15, 15 years ago, something like that. And um, I started with a musical school. So I play uh, I play guitar, but mostly my my thing was was the singing, was the acting, dancing a little bit, uh, but. Um, I just uh, end up in Lion King, uh, the musical, the Broadway musical in Paris that I played for like three years. And then I traveled the world doing some other musicals for Disney theatrical and uh, sister act and playing in English and German, different languages. It was incredible. Um, then the, and then the yoga started to come at, at, like, at the age of 21 when I was on stage in the Lion King. Um, so, uh, tell me the question again. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you were performing, doing all of these shows, something was missing. You know, you said that you weren't fully yeah, living from Something was missing. What was that? And yeah, how did you know? Definitely. I, you know what? It was, it's funny because I, like, I always wanted to be a singer. So when, but it's something that in France was not really recognized as a true job. So I uh -huh. had to, I had really to like, uh, um, to kind of force myself at one point to recognize, okay, this is what I want to do. So I should, I should start getting to get into more music. And I was, I was studying science at that time. So it was completely different to like make that choice. And then when I made that choice, I thought that's okay. That's the purpose. I find I find my thing. That's that's my thing. And um, and after like yeah, after a few years working for for Disney and some other shows, I actually started to like to feel something very strong in me was was missing. I could like I could feel on stage. I could communicate to people like joy or emotions it could be sadness it could be a love i could make people feel 
but I, I didn't know that I could find something else in my life, like yoga, maybe yeah, that's what happened after, that could make people feel even more. And, uh, and I think that's, like for me, that's what created suffering when I was in, uh, on stage is that I, I was not fully understanding why I was doing that. This is very interesting. Do you think that the, the lack of, of depth or the, the potential for more depth in the way that you were conveying emotion or inspiring emotion in your audience and then eventually your students as a yoga teacher, do you think that's something that is inherent to the art of theatrical performance? Or do you think it is? it was a depth that was missing because you specifically, your heart was not fully invested in, in that type of career or that type of service and that only reaching that depth was possible through yoga because you were meant to go do yoga. I actually feel that lots of artists actually go towards music um, or towards dance because they're looking for more freedom for a way to communicate emotion to the people around them. But the difficulty is that every time you're doing uh, some kind of artistic thing, it becomes very fast uh, a performance. It's all about pleasing people. And um, for me, working like as a singer was a way to communicate emotions and making people feel, but that I was not really understanding that I was not giving to people actually um, myself fully. I always had to play a character. Or I always had like to hide behind a melody that I had not written. Or even the words I was I was sharing were not actually coming from me. So we, when we teach, I think yoga, or when we chant, for example, when back to yoga, when you start to chant, it's not about the performance. It's not about hiding behind something. Uh, it's very very truthful, and then if it's not perfect, nobody cares. And that's I think uh, a dimension that was missing. Uh, in my career as an artist. And I think for lots of artists, the fact that they always have this judgment, uh, this suspended judgment uh, that we have in yoga is missing, you know, in the artistic world. There is always a judgment. It's always about pleasing, liking. Mm. So this ego is, is, pre is present and, and it's like a prison. Right, right. That is so beautifully put. And I can totally see the contrast that revealed itself to you between your performing career and then this new opportunity of, of practicing yoga. So then after you, you know, at that point, presumably you got into your yoga practice and at a certain point realized, okay, I want to switch over and, and dedicate myself to this and share the practice with others. When you decided to become a yoga teacher, how did you manage to keep the performance aspect out of it? Oh, well, yeah, it's a good question. In fact, uh, at the time, actually, I started to, to teach yoga. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to sing anymore. The doctors, I, I sang on a, on a tour and the doctor at one point, I, like, I, I was sick and I kept pushing, pushing my body. 
I pushed the body a lot for like 10 years, like playing eight, nine shows a week sometimes, sometimes singing upside down, doing crazy stuff um, for like different shows. And and actually... Okay, run- hold on. I have to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Which character were you in Lion King? Oh, in Lion King, I played... I was a swing. So I played Simba. I played all like uh, male uh, characters in the show. And also like within that slot of like, about 10 years i played also like in in like some other musicals like in germany like tarzan like where i would sing upside down and okay do, like, that's how you got upside down crazy that's what I was stuff. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah the voice the voice uh my voice was like uh i could sing very low or very high uh, had like a, a pretty pretty good wrench and uh, of course they they used it because it was i mean that's, that's it's fun like the more you can the, the more you can do things the more people ask you to do things until like you kind of burn yourself it's, it's like it's like producing you know like you do one show two shows is fun three shows is nice but after a while it's like uh, it's like making a the same the same products so at one point the body gets tired and for me it was my my voice my voice like got very tired and actually uh, one point at some point the doctor uh, told me on a tour where i was i was uh, like coughing blood and i would keep pushing and singing and the doctor told me you're sick and your voice is not gonna handle that if you if you don't stop and i kept going and actually uh, i could not sing anymore speak after that for a very very long time and the doctors told me you will never sing again so i had to when i start started teaching yoga um for me it was not about performance because it was really like yoga was a therapy to heal my voice my instrument and that's, that was the first thing I wanted to share with people. It was like, uh, share something that heals, but it's not about performing. How did you heal your voice with yoga? I actually used uh, backbends, upright exercise, and, and uh, pranayama, breathing. Yeah, those those combined are incredible. There is this teacher in France. He's in the middle of nowhere. He's called Jean-Pierre Blivet. Jean-Pierre Blivet, very very French name actually. <laughs> and he has he has a, a book uh, called Les Voix du Chant, which is a book he re- he wrote after working with Nathalie Dosset, who was one of the most incredible sopran. Um, in, in the world. And I had the chance to meet that man. And he, in his house in the middle of nowhere in France, he actually took like uh, care of my voice uh, every day, like for an hour, an hour and a half. And then the rest of the day, I would, I would basically have nothing to do. So it was like a retreat. <laughs> it was really incredible. And so I would spend my, my entire day uh, practicing breathing, practicing uh, backbending, and using his exercise uh, to project my voice as I would do like Ustrasana, uh, camel pose, or like some other chest and throat openers. And that actually incredibly like started to uh, to work. And um, and after after that, after spending about a month there with with him working, I came back to to singing. And I could sing again. Uh, the voice, my voice was different 
but um but i could again like speak correctly because even my voice would crack in when i would when i would speak and i could even sing again so i went back after that i played sister act the musical for like a year and and a half and uh and then i decided to quit because i was like okay i can sing again but but that that's not my thing performing anymore i just want to chant mantras and and share, and share asanas. It's way easier. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of like went back, you went back to sister act just to kind of, um, like to prove to yourself that you could, that you could do it again. But then once you had that, totally, it's like, okay, I can move on. I can move on to the next chapter now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's wild. Um, about, the backbending pranayama as a therapy specifically for the voice. I've, I've never heard of anything like that. But then again, I don't know too many yeah, people yeah. who have injured their voice <laughs> box in the way that you did through, you know, such professional um, exhaustion. Yeah, I'm sure it would help lots of actually lots of uh, artists because lots of uh, performers have problem with with their voice, even with their confidence and, and even with their body. I, I really feel since I... I really dived into the yoga practice. It made me feel, made me feel so good about like being inside my body. And I, I believe like a true actor or somebody that plays on stage is actually the, the, the best, the best actors are the one that like really become, they become the, the, what they play. So basically that's yoga. If we think about it, they're just fully present in the character. And because they're fully present, there is no past, no future, no thought, no judgment. They're just like, they're there. They're just there at the moment. Um, I think really like the, the yoga practice actually is, is very, 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 very similar, um, to, to the, um, what we call for some, uh, some sports people flow moment or, or the flow state uh, for an actor yes. or yeah for a tennis player whatever it's it's the same moment it, this is what we're looking for the present moment absolutely I, i've made the same comparison many times i think it's so true it's spot on matthew at, at this point now you know now that your singing career and your performing career is mostly behind you i do i know that you integrate a bit of your singing into the way that you teach. So you've, <laughs> yeah. you've held on to that relic and, and been able to share that passion. But what does your personal yoga practice look like now, oh. now that you're past the point of, of that healing, that acute healing? It's actually constantly, constantly changing um, and transforming. So I used to practice a lot of, a lot of, um, so when I started actually practicing yoga, I started with Bikram. And then after Bikram, I, I did Ashtanga Vinyasa. So I went like full, full, full on fire, fire, fire. And then at some point I injured myself. <laughs> like I guess a lot of people that are going too much into the fire. And then mm -hmm. I went to more Vinyasa, but then I would still be passionate about the Ashtanga. And then it was more Hatha and then more Yin. And I use, I started to use all the different types of yoga that I could find and, and dive into those different, uh, ways of like seeing this, this practice. Uh, when I was a singer, uh, something very interesting was happening is that whenever I would, I would sing 
with uh, I had this classical teacher Jean Pierre Blivet with him. He would say like never sing gospel or modern stuff if you're doing classical. And then I had this other teacher that I would be fascinated about, like who was more modern and he would do more gospel. And so for me, the mix of both was the key to evolve, to grow. And in the yoga, lots of schools sometimes like are saying, no, do this that way or do that that way. And for me, I, I really like to go to all the different styles and check uh, to, to actually create my own style. So uh, today my practice is actually uh, a lots of Kriya, Pranayama, and, um, and I'm using a lots of movement. So actually I'm very, um, I was following the Ido Portal program because I really like uh, all the movement stuff um, that are happening. And, um, and yeah, and, and I will do like uh, maybe twice, three times a week, like a really long flow for myself. But otherwise I would just work on specific uh, drills, specific ways of moving. And I'm really trying to cultivate the mind of a beginner all the time. So everything that doesn't work uh, makes me feel like I'm struggling. Um, I believe there's something to learn about it. So I usually just stay with it and work longer with those stuff. Well, that's definitely a good way to cultivate the mind of a beginner to, to constantly be exposing yourself to different styles that other people are experts in. And, and you are in fact a beginner. Um, what is, what's the deal with the, you know, portal, uh, method? I know that that's, um, becoming more and more popular within the yoga community. What, what's the background on that? Just give our listeners a little bit of a primer and, and then explain how you've integrated that, how you've woven it into yoga practice. So basically, um, the, the movement, movement uh, culture that is, that is growing all around the world is really about like integrating um, everything that is possible to make, to make you feel um, like a beginner. And uh, uh, so we use... Um, in this method, he's using like stuff that are coming from uh, from parkour, stuff that are coming from uh, gymnastics, uh, isolations, like waving the body, using like really lots of like uh, different um, different skills, like weights and stuff like that. Um, I was really, really like at at some point, really, really only hata hata hata, but I I started to notice as well that my body at some, some places uh, was getting weaker. So in yoga, for example, we work a lot, like the tricep, for example. In every like practices, the tricep is very dominant. So for example, if you work with weight, it's very easy to strengthen the bicep. Or if you work with uh, yoga only, you're constantly pushing. So having this uh, pulling motion as well is super healthy for the shoulder, having the elevation of the shoulder, working with like the back muscles, like doing like uh, active, active arch hangs and stuff like that are very wonderful to, to heal the back and cultivate very good balance. So I find like sometimes by going into the extremes in the poses, we are, um, I mean, it's super nice and beautiful, but it's it's not always the way to stabilize the body very well. Um, so, like we we often say, 
um, jack of all tools, but master of none. Uh, in fact, I think really some people are very talented at, at being like very good at different things uh, without being like the best at all these things. But being interested in all those stuff, I really feel that for me, it makes me grow so much. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think that even if you don't decide to pursue all the things that you expose yourself to, at least you've exposed yourself to be able to make a decision about whether or not you want to, rather than just being ignorant to it. Yes. Yes, totally. So let's talk about a few of the things that you have um, coming up in the future. I, I know that you are taking the initiative to arrange a conference in Paris where your studio is located. Um, what has that been like? First of all, what, what is your vision for this yoga conference? And uh, secondly, what has been um, what has been the journey of pulling something like that, a big project like that together? So it's it's been I've been thinking about that for for a very long time. Uh, this uh, Paris Yoga Conference, um, and uh, it's just that I see like I mean I I was born in Paris and nobody in my family was practicing yoga. But the way yoga uh, completely like transformed my life and like um, transformed even my family because my sister now is practicing. I mean my partner in life she's a yoga teacher. Um, is it's wonderful and what i see is that in the big cities we we're so disconnected you were we have like i mean everything is separating us from from the earth like even i mean we are constantly disconnected and that i think the the first step uh for us to reconnect is uh, can be, of course, to go into nature, to do those kind of, it's beautiful, but it's also just getting together. And, um, and in all my classes all around the world, I think that's what makes um, my, my, maybe my teaching popular around the world and in the places where I go is that it's, it's all about the community and it's all about uh, working together. I really believe when when people get together, it's it's so powerful. There is so much strength in like um, touching other people, in being like in contact, in uh, having conversation, looking into the eyes, supporting one another. And so, my classes always looked like that. But every time I would take a lot of classes, um, not only in Paris but all around the world, like it's not often that that people work together uh, sometimes the the practice should be like a personal practice but i think during a class is a great opportunity to to really connect with people we we speak often about like the meaning of yoga being like okay union co coherence integration but uh, isn't it integration also of ourselves inside the the society and the city and the groups of people that are living around us? So to me, this conference is all about that. It's getting like teachers to teach um, to like a group of like people coming from all over the world um, something that that is just an excuse to to spend time together. 
I think that's a good, as good a reason as any to pull together something like this. Uh, community is, is so powerful and, and so healing in a way. So because of that, you know, it's a perfect complement to the practice itself, which can be done in isolation. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The, I mean, doing it in isolation is, is wonderful, but yeah, when, when you have to deal with people around you, when you live in the city, that's, that's where like true yoga is most of the time. Like, I mean, it's very easy if everything is quiet all around to like be a yogi. Mm. But <laughs> yeah. when, when you live in the city, when, when you're in New York city, when you're in Paris, when, I mean, that's like, you take the metro, you have like, you have like responsibilities, people, stuff, and everything is happening. And sometimes you feel you're in a hamster wheel. So how do you connect with people? How, how can you like maintain balance um, within that? I think this kind of event, like the Paris Yoga Conference, um, they should multiply all around the world. I think it's, it's very good like possibilities and opportunities for people to discover ways so they can focus their mind as well. Um, yeah, and they focus their mind, but all together with other people, they learn together. Because every, every time people ask us like, focus, focus, but uh, as a kid, for example, people tell us focus, concentrate, but we don't know how to concentrate. And, and this actually isolates us from other people. If we, if we would all learn to concentrate together, then actually we would see one another more and the community um, could live better together. What do you mean by that? How do we concentrate together in a yoga class or, or elsewhere? Well, just having like one direction, one drishti. I mean, it's just like sitting and listening to uh, a teacher and taking the time to listen, taking the time to ask questions, um, taking the time to explore different uh, shapes, different moves, different types of breaths, different like uh, types of sensations. Um, I think just taking that time, it is, it is concentrating not only for ourselves, but it's really concentrating for, for the bigger self. And the bigger self is made of all of the people around us. So to me, really, like, it's very important that when we practice is not only something that we do at home for ourselves okay that's nice but it's also like how can we ripple that to like some other people can we like motivate them and like you know in sanskrit we use satsang all the time satsang when there's a goal and everybody's going towards that goal at the same time like it's motivating to be with other people and going towards the same goal having the same goal is having the same drishti having the same drishti is focusing together Okay. Well, well said. I love that. And you know, that hits the nail on the head in terms of the main reason why I go to yoga classes. I love to be immersed Mm -hmm. in that collective energy. And I think a lot of that comes from just a collective agreement that we're all in here and we're all practicing. We're all spending time to work on ourselves. And as you said so eloquently, you know, our self is actually not just the individual. It's that thing that connects all of us. But it also comes yeah, from, that feels great. yeah, it feels amazing. And, and I think another part of it is the fact that we, 
actually move and breathe in in synchrony. You know, we're we're synchronized in, in yeah. the actions that we take. So that's super powerful. Um, it is very powerful. Talk talk to me a little bit about the way that you're using your music in your classes and how that fits into oh. the collective consciousness. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's actually uh, a a big part in everything that I teach. So what I find very interesting, you know, is that you can we attract people using, of course, like, of course, the poses are a great way to attract people to our workshops and the way we move and stuff like that. That is great. But um, it's 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 cool because within my intensives or my trainings, um, most of the time, what what people like end up telling me at the end in the feedbacks is that oh, that was an amazing training, and my highlight was actually to sing. <laughs> like I was just before coming back to Paris uh, yesterday, I was still in Switzerland where I was teaching an intensive, and at the end, there is one girl that came to me and she told me, um, you know what? It was incredible because. Normally, I'm ashamed of singing. I'm ashamed. I don't feel comfortable with that. Whenever a teacher says, now let's chant mantra, I just don't want to sing. <laughs> but with you, I don't know. I enjoyed it so much and I had fun. And and we had like, it was just light. And I had such a great time just singing. And even though I sing not beautifully, I didn't care. I think that is that is very powerful. So whenever I teach, uh, if it's an intensive after lunch, we always sing. We're having like a little like uh, a, a mini kirtan, <laughs> and um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, it's very it's it's very very childish in a way, but it's it's so nice. It's so nice, and and you see people sometimes have tears when it's actually and it's so simple. You know, it's. It is so simple. It's just like, just a human moment. Do you have a favorite mantra or, or song that you like to lead a chant? I, I love, uh, I, I really love the Maha Mantra, um, the Hare Krishna Mantra. Uh, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. Um, I cannot even explain like how, uh, I don't even understand how this mantra just like works, but it's just like every time we chant it with a group, it's always very special and magic. Um, yeah. So yeah. You, you see which one it is? I know it. Yeah. I, I know the Hare Krishna mantra. That's a good one. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good one. Very beautiful one. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what else do you have uh, slated for the horizon that you'd like to share with us? Uh, so I'm um, soon actually going to Bali to teach a 200 hour, uh, but I have I have some other trainings coming up. So I have a 300 hour coming up in January, uh, beginning of next year. Um, it was supposed to be a 200 hour actually, but uh, we changed it to a 300 hour because I'm going to be a dad. My my uh, love uh, is actually waiting, expecting our baby. So um, 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I'm super, that's super something excited. exciting on the horizon. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. I, I didn't expect it as well. She did not as well, but we're very happy. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's it's major. Gonna, it's going to be major. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a girl. Uh, we never know. They said 70%, so we'll see. <laughs> okay. But yeah, before, before she arrives, uh, we will teach in, in Thailand, um, in Koh Samui at Vikasa, a little retreat, like beginning of January, and then the 300-hour uh, that I'm teaching um, in, uh, in Thailand as well, the same place. So Ashton, my partner, is probably going to stay a little bit, and then she's going to fly uh, back to the U.S. because she's from Michigan. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's it. And um, those are the projects for uh, for next year. I'm very, very excited. Very excited. I, I just feel so lucky with everything that happens in my life. You know, in the in uh, in the sutra, uh, we say that uh, the the yogi that respects um, satya. Um, the truthfulness like as as best as like as as possible actually everything he thinks or says um happens yeah <laughs> so um yeah yoga conference happened uh the yoga studio happened the 200 the 300 <laughs> everything is happening the baby is happening so yeah, be be careful what <laughs> what you be think of what you speak, what you <laughs> speak what, into existence. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely, because <laughs> it becomes your destiny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about your studio. I, I'd love to get your thoughts on on that too, because that's a huge undertaking as well to to create a yoga studio business. And I'm, I'm sure that it's paved the way for a lot of these other things that are now taking shape. So what's the story on Lomi? And um, why did you why did you have the inclination and why did you move forward with the idea to create it? So, you know, actually, so I, I co, I'm a co-owner in, in uh, Lome Yoga, uh, this studio, like in the seventh in Paris this is a very great area actually for yoga studio. Um, the uh, other person I'm working with, she is, she actually is a very uh, stressful woman who had uh, a business, who still has a business, another business that uh, was not making her super, super happy, was challenging. And um, yeah, she's a super strong woman. She came one day to take one of my retreats. <laughs> and I remember her having like the cigarette in her hands and she was like, I was like, who's that woman? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, Oh, you're, you're the yoga teacher who, okay. Okay. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. See you later. And she was not so nice actually at first sight. <laughs> and she, she became, she became a student, um, that followed me for a little while. And then, uh, and then one day she told me, listen, you, you, you need, you need a place to teach yoga. Um, you need a yoga studio. Have you ever thought of that? And I said, yeah, I thought about it, but I don't think I can do that right now. Cause I, I'm traveling and, uh, and she actually found a place and, um, 
and she she said to me, Matthew, I found a place so later on, and she said, um, whenever you want, I will give you half of it. This will be your studio. And she gave me half of the yoga studio like that. So yeah, it's crazy because everything in my life kind of kind of happened like that. Just things come to me, like even the teacher trainings I've done all the times, like it's beautiful things happen from it. So I just end up with that studio. Basically, it was a, a gift from the universe. To what degree do you think that your your attraction of these blessings of these gifts to what degree do you think that is chance and to what degree do you think it is a matter of your perspective and your receptivity i i believe it's it's uh it's not at all chance i I, i'm a very lucky guy for sure but i really believe it it happened because um because i mean I'm able to, I'm able to deal with it. <laughs> this is, I think why it's, it's happening. So, um, because the yoga studio is still lots of karma yoga and lots of love. Like, I mean, every time I'm teaching, I have been teaching now, I think after two years, yeah, I start to, um, like I taught a uh, teacher training recently and it's the first time I paid myself a little bit on it. Um, but I've, I taught so many trainings and classes for free there. I wanted it to become actually a donation studio base, uh, the very first donation studio base in Paris. But uh, with the French laws here, it's super complicated. And, um, and with the taxes here, it's actually way more than in lots of other countries. So this uh, didn't work very well. So... <laughs> we had to put real prices and actually since we put real <laughs> prices it works <laughs> which is kind of weird but but why not uh so but everything happened i think because i can handle it so i really believe if you if you cultivate a positive attitude towards anything and everything and you put like your concentration in everything that you do take every opportunity that you have and do the best that you can at any point, uh, at any point of time, then things starts to like get, get into your favor all the time, you know? Um, and there's nothing negative because even in obstacles, you see the benefits of the obstacles. So nothing, nothing stops you anymore. Uh, I, I mm. guess that's, that's why, that's why things happen. I don't know. What about you? Like you, you're that's doing beautiful. pretty well too. Like, I mean, Everything is Thanks. is going pretty well. So. Yeah. Well, I, I I agree with you that it's a matter. That's kind of why I asked you and, and phrased it in the way that I did. To what degree do you think it's a matter of perspective? Because as you said, I do think that it's kind of a choice, you know, to look at the things that land in your way. And of course, you know, people come into life and come into their trajectories with different levels of privilege and obstacles, but you always have the ability to look at what's in front of you and see it as this is, this is the, the odds stacked against me, or this is an opportunity to learn. Yeah, totally. Totally. For me, it's always an opportunity to learn. Yeah. It's like, there's never something negative. It's a, it's very challenging. Um, for me to 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 not to allow actually negativity to take me, I, I 
I'm always, always, always constantly fighting that. Like if I have a negative thought, I replace it right away. I try to find a positive. Um, I guess it comes from my dad. He was, you know, he would tell me all the time. Uh, it's funny because I was playing basketball when I was a kid and, and he would tell me, look at the American people. They're always positive on the... <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> it was. He, was, he, he would tell me all the time, like, yeah, stay positive, stay positive. That's, that's, that's the key for everything. So I, I would always try to find positivity in everything that I would do. Even when I, I, mean, even when I lost my voice, even when I, when I end up like sometimes not, not having money and because I was... I, I mean, I did like 10 different teacher trainings. I wanted to go to all like different masters that, that inspired me, you know, and, and I put everything that I had into those stuff. Cause I was just like, okay, that this is what I want to do. So I will, whatever happened, I'd be fine. I'm just like, I'm just going to do what, what I want to do. And that's, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So nothing would stop would stop me nothing would be an obstacle and even when i lost the voice i was like okay i lost my voice it's it's happening for something i have to do something and and then the yoga came so yeah i really believe it's it's just a matter of perspective everything we do everything we do we just have to to choose our point of view to see things positively that's right negativity is is a temptress that doesn't let you go but we have the ability (laughs) to choose we do (laughs) definitely yeah Apart from getting your message out on the podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? Um, well, I'm actually uh, moving out from my place in Paris. I had an apartment. I was thinking that that could be the place we would live at. But my partner actually loves, she loves nature and she wants to go back to, to Michigan to give birth. So I've taken a house in Michigan and I'm leaving the apartment in Paris um so i don't i don't know what is gonna be uh, the future apart from that that we're gonna have the baby there and stuff like that i'm still gonna be traveling so for me you see to leave my dharma i just i just keep following uh whatever life uh, sent me and um i trust the i trust that it's gonna work mm. that that is the dharma and yeah and for the yoga for the yoga teaching i just feel my the most important thing for me is is to share and uh, yeah that's it we're in we're in a time when the earth is is in a is in a pretty interesting phase like everything is getting really dark and this planet is is getting into a place where <laughs> where where things are not going to be so comfortable anymore very soon for human beings so i i just feel the only thing we can do and um what probably is our dharma as teacher is just to to share to share to share and that's all we can do well with that being said i think we can move on to the final section of our interview which is the prana round. So we're going to pick up the pace a little bit here. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions. Oh, wow. And you can answer minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay, Matthew? Minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay. That's right. (laughs) In one word, why do you practice yoga? Love. 
Okay, what's your favorite yoga pose and why? Mayurasana. Uh, it gets my belly work well. <laughs> <laughs> the peacock. Okay, peacock what is the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? What goes in goes up. What goes out goes what down. What goes in? <laughs> what, what goes in goes up. What go you say it again, say it again. What goes in goes up, what goes out goes down. Okay. <laughs> Recommend one book, a modern or ancient, for our audience. Uh, I'm in like Patanjali Yoga Sutras. Classic. Okay. Yeah. Is yoga for everyone? I don't believe so. <laughs> but I wish. Care to expand or leave it at that? Uh, to expand? Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, yoga is, is challenging. <laughs> it is challenging. So, so I, I don't think everybody can practice um, yoga. I think everybody, actually, I think everybody can do yoga. But if anybody can be yogic, I don't know. Because it's, uh. it's so much dedication, you know, there's really a difference between like, okay, doing the practice, but becoming the practice and being yogic, like 24 hours a day. And even like in your sleep, like being aware, uh, like constantly, 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 I think it's, it's challenging. It's pretty advanced. No. It's very advanced. I'll give you that. I appreciate that answer. <laughs> All right. Our last question for you. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your Dharma? Well, they can uh, come to the next yoga conference in 2020 because I'm putting all, all my money into it. <laughs> because <laughs> i just believe in it i'm just like ah, this is gonna work it's gonna be great <laughs> never like nobody has done that in paris because paris is too expensive and there are so many rules and regulations you know like it's an obstacle right. on the path of yoga rules and regulations if they're like it's it if it's too many so right. like same yeah. thing that kept you from <laughs> opening a donation studio yeah, you see, <laughs> this is crazy, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, they should definitely come. And also like, um, yeah, if they want to support, to support me, they just, um, well, they, they just check the website and, and come to any event that, that I share. And also like, yeah, they share what, what they, what they learn. Like I always encourage people that come to me, like to whatever they learn, um, yeah, share it share it as much as they, as they can. I know everyone has, has Google and can find you online, but what is the address for your website where they can learn about the conference and everything else that you have coming up? Uh, sure. So for the conference is parisyogaconference.com. And, uh, for my website, it's mathieuboldron.com. So Mathieu Boldron, I know like for sometimes for American or English people, it's hard to like 
spell, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. But A T H I E U. Yeah, we we got you covered. It'll be in the show notes for the episode, so they can just give it a tap and not have to worry about spelling or interpreting your that your beautiful good. French accent. <laughs> <laughs> thank you well Matthew it's been so nice to catch up with you here and um, I hope that we get to co- uh, continue this conversation soon in person whether that's in Michigan in your new home or at the Paris Yoga Conference yes that would be amazing alright have a beautiful day and take care we'll talk to you soon thank you yeah it's going to be a great night <laughs> see you see you bye bye Dharma Talkers, I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And if you did, please share it. Take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and tag me, at Henry Wins. I love hearing from you about the conversations that make an impact for you. We have the ability to shape the world through our thoughts, words, and conversation. So let's influence the collective consciousness together. All my gratitude to Rory Wagstaff of Ease of Mind Productions for keeping our audio crisp and operations smooth, and to Patrick Kiebzak of Momentology Music and Art for supplying the powerful soundtrack to these conversations. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and tune in to new episodes of Dharma Talk every Thursday. I'll speak to you next week, and until then, keep living your dharma.